Hey there, I'm Stan Baker, one of your hosts for Circle Forum, along with Shelley Steele and Steve Young. We're talking about the comment that we get an awful lot, which is, I just don't have time for this. Now, Shelley, Steve, and I have had a lot of time to practice restorative practices, and it's always interesting to me how often we come back to, look, this sounds an awful lot like something you're already doing. And I think learning and understanding about restorative practice and taking the time for it is an investment. And it's also a pay me now or pay me later. Like you're going to have to spend the time at some point on the relationships, either getting to know someone or else fixing a problem that may have arisen. If you're currently looking for a way to find the time for restorative practice, and who isn't nowadays trying to find the time for all the different things that are going on, then this podcast is for you. This episode will give you some simple steps of things that you can do that you can just integrate into your day, not as something that you add on. Some of the main topics that we'll be talking about include how to intentionally focus your time restoratively on developing those relationships with the adults, how to train other leaders. At the end of the episode, be sure to visit our website, www.restorative.ca. Check us out or subscribe on YouTube, Circle Forum. Now let's head over to this conversation with Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. So when we talk about restorative leadership, really one of the big questions that we have to address is, I haven't got time for this. What do you think? I, ha I haven't got the time to be a restorative leader? I think when you're, if you have that mindset, then you might be thinking about restorative practices in not the correct way, that it's, that it's an add-on. It's something you have to do rather than what, how we have integrated is it's really your way of being. So it starts to be the way that you interact with people rather than it's a prescribed program or it's an add-on. So it's really integrating it into your daily activities. Yeah, I agree. That same mindset, that program in a box mindset, if we take on this new thing, we're all going to learn about it. We also learn a new way of doing things and it's going to take time to learn. And then we have to assess if it's going to actually working. And this is all just going to take a lot of time. And I agree with Shelley wholeheartedly. It is a change in mindset as much as it is anything else. Does it take time? Absolutely. You gotta, we do these works, we do workshops with staff. They have to sit down with us for a certain amount of time to learn what is the underlying philosophy of it? What's the framework of it? How do I do circles? So there are some practical things that you do have to learn along the way. And that takes a bit of time, but it, it's that time well spent at the beginning to start paying dividends at the end the answer prevention found a cure thing. What do you think is the biggest misunderstanding about, I don't have time for this? I, people that do start to get a, an understanding of restorative and how circles work and whatnot, see that as time away from curriculum. So I don't have time. So from a teacher's standpoint, depending on where they are and what pressure they've got to achieve curriculum goals, and I all did various from kindergarten all up to grade 12, they see it as taking away from curriculum time. And I don't have time to take away from curriculum time. I can barely get the curriculum covered now. So I can't take away from that. And so they see that as a time waster or a time eater. And some people actually wholeheartedly love restorative circles and practices. And I think this is great for my class, but I still don't have the time to do it as much as I want to do. So they're struggling with that. And so. I can see that piece from a teacher's standpoint. Many people are already operating in a very restorative way. They don't realize it. And so to be purposeful about what you're doing and understanding the impact of your words and your action 
will go a long way. And that's where the training helps. And we often hear that, oh, I already do that. Uh, you might just need this little tweak to it. Or as I said, understanding the impact of asking a question in that way versus this way goes a long way. So it's really enhancing perhaps what you're already doing that it isn't always new for people. I just wonder if this isn't a bit of the difference between management and leadership, that management is about the tasks and leadership is about the people. And that's the big shift, I think, too, in restorative leadership, that it's the focus on the people and the relationships. Yeah. And from an administrator's point of view, a school principal or vice principal, or even a superintendent who's got a, a huge number of family of schools with principals they look after they're looking at how do they, how do I work with those and interact with those people now that might be differently than from a management standpoint, send out a bunch of memos and expect people to do it versus a restorative thing might, you know, I see a lot of superintendents in my day when I first became a principal would be in the schools. They would come in, they sit and talk with you and they get to know you. They're very busy now. The last three months I was in school, the superintendent came in once in three months and it was just a quick fly by a, Hey, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd pop in and see how everything was going. That's because you were doing well, Steve. Yeah, could be. <laughs> so I, there is a difference in how it is, but I think a restorative leader spends time with the people that they are working with and leading, as opposed to simply that they will sit in the office and send out memos and emails and expect things to happen. So hopefully this is why people got into leadership in the first place is to be able to work with and it's leading people, isn't it? That's really, I love the word you used because I come back to it again and again, intention, right? That you right. take your intent, that your day be intentionally focused on individuals and that rather than getting that report done, which still needs to get done during the day at school, principals are, they're running around like this hamster wheel at school, right? Like it's never ending. So let's get some specifics. How do you slow that hamster wheel down or get off of it as a restorative leader? I think it's just, if you are operating that way where you're just going from one fire or one incident to another, you won't, you won't start to build other leaders and you won't be in a leadership type position. You're just putting out fires. And really what you want to do is encourage others to be able to manage some of those things. And so it's, it's taking that step back. And as we've talked in restorative practices, really just asking a couple of key questions helps people to take on those kind of responsibilities or understand the potential or the leadership skills that they have in there. So rather than solving the issue for them, or that then allows you more time to be doing some of the other things you need to do as a leader. So what's a question that comes up for you that a restorative leader could use? Just a practical one, right? Yeah. If staff is struggling with something, it's the basic what's happening. And then truly listening to the response, not having your response ready to rectify it. It's the same thing we talk about with students. We know the answers, but that is not going to help somebody to grow. So to, to ask what's happening, truly listen, because maybe they don't need you to fix it. Maybe they just needed to hear. And often when people speak the words, they solve it as well. Or they're like, okay, I got the next steps and I'm moving on. And now you can move on to other things as a leader. That's the old authoritarian, I, I can fix this for you. Here's what you need to do. And that's not necessarily what people want to hear. As opposed to a restorative leader is how can I help you at the end? Of, after you've looked right. at, you understand what's been happening. I've heard what's happening. I understand you. Now, how can I help you? What can I do to support you? 
And if you think of the social discipline window, that's one of the axes, that high level of support, offer your support. Don't say, here's what I'm going to do for you. What can I do for you? You tell me what you need and I'll help you with that. But I was going to go back and say, one of the things we really need to think about with leadership, and it's all the different hierarchies looking ahead of themselves and behind themselves, is the amount of work that has to come, has to be done each day and prioritizing that work and deciding what really needs to be done now, what could be done later, what's the most important priority. That's the intentionality of restorative. And what I used to try and be out in front of the school every morning as the kids were arriving. That was important to me. And if other than an extreme emergency phone call, I was in front of the school. So if parents came in wanting to see me first thing in the morning, they went to the office, the secretary would say, he's outside, he'll be back in five or 10 minutes. They're not going to call me in because a parent happened to be there. So that was my intentional way of meeting and greeting students every day. And so you have to decide. What else could I be doing? I could have been doing paperwork at that time, sitting in my office. I could have been doing a lot of other things, but that wasn't important as being out in front of the school and meeting and greeting. So it's intentionality, but it's also prioritization. And then from the other standpoint, as a leader, handing things back to, to down to the next level, which is teachers, it's being that filter. What is important for them to do? What don't they really need to do? And what can I do so that they don't have, they can take it off their plates Hopefully a superintendent's doing the same thing as that's filtering down to their principal. What really needs to happen? Do we really need to do this now or not? Or do we even have to do it at all? Yeah, it's an interesting, fun thing to do. Maybe let's not do it. We're too busy. It's interesting you said that, Steve, about getting out in front of the school. We had an opportunity in the school where I was a principal to put air conditioning in the school. And so the people in charge of putting the air conditioning in, the guy who was in charge of that said, I got the air conditioning in the whole building, except in your office. And I said, what? Come on. I need air conditioning in my office. He said, nope. I want you out in the school. That's where it's cool. That's where you've got to be. <laughs> it was a way of getting me out. But it's that idea of you can't just hide in the office. You've got to be out there connecting with people. So I love the question that you're asking, Shelly, and getting out in the in front of the school, having that kind of routine. What other real practical suggestions can we make that could easily become part of somebody's day? Because you said at the beginning, Shelley, too, this is not an add-on. This is integrated into what you do as a restorative leader. What are some practical things that can help me be restorative through the day? I think if you, and this, this wouldn't be just on a day-by-day -day basis, although it, it could build into your day is that to engage in a fair process, and we really haven't talked about this time as much, but we've talked about it before, as much as possible. Because when people, we know when people have a voice and they understand what's happening, they're going to move along with the things that need to happen in a school. And the other thing about being a leader is we really have to remember our job is to begin to create other leaders. There has to be people that come after us. And so you need to give that opportunity. And that is part of your job as a leader, not just to dole out tasks and make things, make sure things are done. It's to create the opportunity for other people to rise up and learn leadership. Yeah. And I would say model the skills and use the skills and the practices yourself. If as a leader of a school to say to your staff, restorative practice is important. We all need to start doing this and then not do it yourself is a problem. So you've got to really show we talked about how kids watch how teachers act. They see those examples. Your staff does the same with you. 
how you talk to other staff, how you talk to parents in the hallway, how you talk to that modeling of the communication, the restorative communication piece. So you've got to walk the walk yourself. And, and sometimes that's hard because there's things going on, but you really got to show that you, you believe in it enough that you're going to do it yourself too. And as Shelly said, the conversations you have with teachers when, if they, if there's been a problem, if they need support and they need help, if you're listening in a restorative manner, they're going to understand that you're there to support them and you're on that, in that with box in the social discipline window. Now, as leaders, we don't often get a lot of positive feedback. We're dealing with a lot of the, the stuff that's not going well, but Steve, in your role as a principal, are there things that people have said to you where it, it sounds like they understand that you're a restorative leader where they've said, Hey, this is different about what you're doing. This is helpful about what you're doing. This is any comments or stories that come to mind or things that people said to you. There's a few, and I don't know that people necessarily knew that it was restorative or attributed to restorative practices, but I had comments over the years from a number of people. One, I've talked about a superintendent who came into my a school that I was at after a couple of years of us working away at restorative works and just wondering where all the kids were because we were walking down the hall. He said, are they in an assembly? And I said, no, they're all in the classrooms. He said, holy cow. He said, three, four years ago, there have been kids all running up and down these halls. He said, the difference in the atmosphere, just walking down the halls, he said, was almost palpable. You could tell that something was going on. And I, I take that as a compliment. And I said, a lot of people have done a lot of hard work to get here. But that comment in itself, someone who had been in the school previously and now came back to it and noticed a, a vast difference in the climate and the attitude, that's a positive. I've had parents comment, one parent, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name, but I went from one school to another and I happened to switch schools and his kids switched to that new school. And he came in the office one day because something had happened to his kid in class or whatnot. And he was angry and his voice was raised and he wanted to talk to the principal. And so I walked out of my office and he saw that it was me. And we, of course, we'd had a bit of a history the, at the previous school. He says, you're the principal here. And I said, yeah. I said, I just came over here. He says, as long as you're here, everything will be fine. And he walked Wow. and I never heard from him again because I had dealt with his children at the previous school in a manner that something that he approved of and he liked. And so just knowing that I was at this new school, his comment was, things will be fine. You're here. I take that as a positive. The secretary looked at me like, holy cow, what did you do at your other school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better watch. I'm going to turn this restorative stuff on you, secretary. Yeah. <laughs> Those are little things that stand out in my mind. And it was funny. I was, as soon as you asked the question, I said, we don't usually hear about, as a principal, how marvelous things we've done until we retire or we move schools and have a going away party. <laughs> yeah. But occasionally those little pieces come along, but of course, that's not why we do it, but it's always nice. Shelly, have you heard any wait for yourself? Yes. I think when I hear words used like approachable, problem solving, those kind of things that tells me I'm on the right route. The fact that people can approach you with difficult at difficult times tells me that I've built the rapport and the relationship prior to that. I my kids used to say, of course, I didn't know I was being a restorative parent, but my kids used to say to me, just tell me the answer. Because I just wanted you to solve it. But that is not the way people grow. They need to have support to try out different answers and different things. But so I guess I was being restorative 
even before I was being a leader. I had somebody come to me after a week or two after having a conversation, and I don't even recall what kind of role it was. I think it was a colleague, actually, and they were very upset and there was a lot of emotion and stuff like that. And I didn't know what the solution was. I didn't offer any solutions. And I saw the person a week or two later and they just said, oh, thank you so much. I said, I didn't do anything. I listened to the words. I just listened. She said, that made so much difference to me, yes. just listening. And often that's all it takes, just listening and knowing, the other person knowing that they've been heard. And to me, that is a really big part of restorative leadership. That brings to mind, Stan, is having the belief in people that they can solve it with support. So the just listening gave that person that opportunity to solve it themselves. And that is a huge piece where you operate from. If you can believe that people are able to do this, then they can with support. And the last word, who gets the last word today? I'll jump in because... I know Shelly likes to, but she just had the last <laughs> second. Last. <laughs> no, I would say from a leadership standpoint, and again, I go back to there's all different levels of leadership. And even as a teacher in a classroom, you are a leader. You could be amongst the, the other people in your division or whatever. You may have a lot of more experience. And so therefore people see you as a leader is really having a finger on the pulse. We used to say, read the room, all those kind of sayings that we have really see where people are at. And if you know people very well, if they're having a good day or a bad day, if you know your staff very well as a principal and you're starting to see a lot of stress and a lot of people just not doing, that's not the time to introduce, hey, guess what? Another new project coming down the line. I need five volunteers. So it's really reading this, the room and knowing your people. And I would say from a superintendent's point, the same thing. And sometimes they, you have to ask the question, how's everybody feeling about this? And is this really the best time? And, really working with your people so that you can get the best out of them at the best, at the most opportune time. You've taken the time to listen to this podcast and listen to my language. You've taken the time. Now I'm going to ask you to make some time. How do you make time? Well, you need to intentionally make time to practice restorative leadership. If you want to find out some more about that, Check out our website, www.restorative.ca. Want some more information about the trainings that we offer? Get in touch with me at stan at restorative.ca. And let's keep listening to each other and making the time for intentional relationship building. Uh -oh.